Comments made on the Ceratalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. It's time for High Contrast, the show where we talk about everything low vision for those people who are trapped between sight lines, as we like to say. I'm Rodney Edgar of TechAccessWeekly.com, and as usual, I am joined by Mari Hill of the Zoomed In blog over at AISquared.com slash Zoomed In. How's it going, Mari? Very good. Thank you very much. Mari has lasagna in the <laughs> oven, and that is not a euphemism. That's actually what we're dreaming of cooking at this moment. And over in the other virtual chair will be Byron Lee of ByronLee.com, LowVisionRants.com, Byron27 on Twitter, and the such. So what's cooking over there, Byron? Pizza rolls. Yeah, we, we got pizza rolls in the microwave, and this recording will probably last about an hour, so by the time we're done, they should be cold and limp. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Would those by chance be Totino's pizza rolls? They would, Yes. Ah, okay. The official pizza roll of high contrast. <laughs> and the daily sponsor in there. <laughs> yeah. Dick DiBartolo will be right over. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Uh, and off in the distance will be Joe Ranger Steinkamp of everything Serotalk, Serotech, and he will probably jump in at some point if we continue to ramble and do not say something clearly or he has an opinion which. He never has an opinion, does he? No. That never happens? No, not not at all. Uh, so in this episode, we decided that seeing as how last time we talked about iOS 8 and the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus 5.5-inch screen, we would just go ahead and get rid of everything new and get rid of the Apple convention and everything by talking Apple iPads, Macs, Mac minis, and the such, and what it might mean to accessibility for the low vision. So, I am still continuing to use my large Pop-Tart of a phone. I have not yet named the phone Pop-Tart, but it is becoming a possibility. I will say that the 5.5-inch screen is not as big as it originally felt. You know, it, it doesn't feel as large. I did finally get a 10 or $15 case from Amazon, so it doesn't slip out like butter, you know. But my question is, have you managed to bend it yet? I have not bent it like Beckham. <laughs> sports well, reference. this is a good sports thing. Sports reference. That's why you got the blank stare from me. I was like, huh? <laughs> That's a stare. Have you purchased <laughs> a man bag to carry it around or what? No, I just basically... <laughs> Keep it on my hip with the fancy belt clip that is the size of, I don't know what it's the size of, but it's pretty dad blame big. And a lot of people are complaining that, you know, the bezel ruins it because it's got an actual physical button. But I say, I like the fingerprint sensor. I like the touch because it's very easy to wake it up. And the only big thing that I hate as far as the buttons is the fact that the power button is now on the top right of the phone, which confuses me if it's in my pocket because I can't figure out, okay, is that the volume button or the power button? So am I waking up the screen or what? Have you adjusted to wearing parachute pants yet? No, I have not found that box in the parent's attic as of yet, but <laughs> I will go and see if I can get some of the uh, red parachute pants from the 80s. Yeah, your phone might fit better in those. Very well could be. Then you can get rid of your Montana-sized belt clip. <laughs> yeah, and the sparkly glove that goes along with it could actually help me hold on to the phone. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I will say that I am enjoying the larger screen. I also will say that now that some apps are starting to update for iOS 8, the font sizes are decreasing in size, so in some cases that is a little bit of a challenge because they do not use the dynamic font that you can increase <sighs> everywhere. So, yeah, exactly. That is the so sigh of the sigh. I think it's just a bunch of 22-year-old coders with perfect vision that are making all of these apps, and their apps were accidentally big enough to see because they were still for 5Ss, and now they're making them for 6 and 6 Plus, and all the fonts are getting tiny again. Why? 
Yeah, that is. Am that I is ranting exactly again? It. Yeah. Sorry. Lowvisionrants.com. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we actually updated the website recently. We've got two new articles on Low Vision Rants. We have a Low Vision article from the Cert Doctor. He wrote about Windows 10 Magnifier, a first look. And the article in a gist basically says, well, it's very similar to the old magnifier that we're already used to. And then I wrote an article about the new iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. Much of the material that I got for that article, I got from our discussion last time. So there you go. Oh, and one thing that we did want to point out from last time, as far as the iOS 8, is the fact that you can have it set up to speak the screen. So if you go to settings, general accessibility, and speech, you can actually have it set up so that you can slide two fingers down the screen and it will read the screen to you. So you can do that without actually having voiceover on. So I found that kind of handy with email reading. And what's nice about it is that you can read a book or something with the Kindle app with that feature and then go away from the app while it's reading and do something else. You can even run voiceover at the same time while the thing is talking. I will say that I have run into a few instances where that function to swipe down and read everything, it'll literally read what's on the screen. It will not continue to the next screen. So it may be an app by app instance. As far as emails, it just continued to read, but couple of things. I can't remember what I ran into, but it would actually stop with only what was visible on the screen. So I don't know if it's a container. Yeah, same thing with Kindle. You know, if you've got the Kindle app, it will actually continue on reading page after page. But I have noticed that too. Some apps, it'll just stop. And then you're like, well, I guess I got to go to the next screen and do that swipe down thing again. (sighs) And I assume you can pause and restart it with a single finger double tap or two finger tap. Yeah, actually what it does is it has a little transparent menu that when you first swipe down with two fingers, it'll start reading and it'll put a little menu that's in high contrast on top of everything with a fast forward and rewind and a pause and a speed up and speed down. And after a few seconds of reading, the menu will disappear and become transparent. And if you tap it once on the transparent icon, then it'll come back and then you can pause it and everything. So it's kind of nifty if you're not really a full-time voiceover user. And that is what I am in the minority of this crew. (laughs) So anyway, as far as the October announcements from the most recent Apple event, they announced an iPad Air 2, which is much thinner than a pencil. Before long, it's just going to be a piece of wax paper and we can put it over our lasagna that we're reheating that Mari ships to us via FedEx. Interesting parts that I noticed from it is they're actually having an anti-reflective screen. So I'm assuming that'll be sort of a matte finish to actually make this bugger readable in bright light and glary situations. We were talking about that last month, weren't we? We're saying that the iPad was kind of a difficult device to use outside because of the reflective screen. Yes, exactly. So I think it's kind of funny that they added that the month after we talked about it. They're listening, guys. Yeah, that's it. They are. They updated the processor, gave it an 8 megapixel camera. Still no flash on the thing, so I'm not quite sure what the deal is with that. Well, Steve Jobs hates flash. Valid point. (laughs) I never really put the two together, but now I got it now. You can also get the Touch ID on the iPad 2 Air, and prices start at $499, $130 extra for the LTE. The iPad Mini basically got Touch ID and... I think it was an update in processor to a A7, which is last year's processor. So that really doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. Prices start at $399 for that. They're going to continue to create fragmentation by having the original iPad Mini at $249 and the iPad Mini 2 for $299 with Retina. I don't understand why you keep putting things, but we did go back to numbers for the designations of mini mini two mini three Uh, hmm. so it's not the new ipad and the new new ipad and the new ipad the next generation yes or the new ipad with wings or some crazy name or something (laughs) but anyway one of the interesting things is the imac with retina was announced that is going to have 27 inch screen with a 14.7 megapixel 5k screen I don't know if I can see that, much less run that far. 
You know what's interesting is that it says it's called iMac Retina HD 5K. You know, it's, didn't they once say that Retina was so much better than HD and now they're calling it Retina HD? Um... I'm a little confused here. Well, it's adding more pixels, and I'm waiting for the moment when they do like sharp and say, it actually gives you yellow color, you know? But you can get this for $24.99. They have not updated any of the other models of iMac with this Retina HD 5K. And for the people looking for an entry-level Yosemite, which will give you lots of rootin' tootin' fun times, is now going to be at $4.99 instead of $5.99. But be warned, you do want to increase the RAM as high as you can because it is no longer updatable by consumers. It's soldered onto the board. You're talking about the Mac Mini? Yeah, the Mac Mini, you cannot manually change or upgrade the RAM. So if you want... That's sad. Yeah, so if you want 16 gigs of RAM in that, you're definitely going to want to do that up front. Apple cost, Apple cost, or tax, which is it? Yeah, it's probably both. So anyway, that's pretty much the big announcements. iOS 8.1 came out. Yosemite has been released into the wild. So I guess the question is, what kind of tales of woe can we provide listeners as far as challenges they may face in going from Windows to Mac OS, Yosemite, or the prior Mavericks? Well, I remember someone told me going from a Windows to a Mac, everything's upside down and inverted. (laughs) And it definitely did seem that way for a while. Like, what the heck? Everything's on the different side of the screen. And it took me a long time to adjust, I would say. I like it now, but as a visually impaired person as opposed to someone that uses strictly screen reading definitely have to look at it from that angle the mac os does not have all the manipulations you can do in windows with changing system fonts and system font styles colors size i heard steve Jobs basically picked one system font and expected everyone to like it. So there's just not a lot of adjustments you can make visually. And I would highly recommend someone that is a magnification user to get a retina display. I don't have one, (laughs) but I wish I did. I'm with you on that boat. Your fonts at a larger scale will probably be a lot crisper and darker especially with the 5K that Byron's going to purchase for me to test out. (laughs) Yeah, right. I actually got to try a MacBook Pro at Best Buy the other day, and it has Retina. So if you go into Display and you go to Scaled instead of Best for this display, they have several options. And the lowest option is bigger text, and the highest option is more space. So they make it a little easier to understand rather than 800 by 600 or 1024 by 680 or whatever, you know, all these different numbers, they just say more space, bigger text. And so I tried bigger text and it did make a huge difference on the MacBook Pro 15 inch, I believe it was, that I saw. So if I were ever to upgrade from my MacBook Air, which is non-retina, so the lowest I can go in terms of resolution is like 1100 by something, and it's still too small. I will be very happy to have that extra bump in text size. But there was some talk in our pre-recording about problems with certain apps that don't scale. Well, one of the things that can happen is that app developers might not enable scaling. And this can happen in Windows, especially when you start to see like 4K monitors, like those gigantic 4,000 lines of resolution. Windows apps are still looked at for the minimum spec. So 1028 by 768. And anything that you place on a larger monitor might look just all crazy because the resolution can't support it. Games will support it, right? But text or websites generally don't because the majority of people that are coming in with the lowest specs possible because they're buying cheap laptops or cheap 
you know, what have you. Netbooks, oh my gosh, that was even crazier because you had weird resolution scales on the, of that way. Where Apple has this problem is that if an app has been abandoned, be it through the Mac App Store or through sideloading, you will have this weird look because these apps are not designed for the retinized process of being able to be seen that way. We see that now with the iOS store. In fact, Rodney was talking about that at the beginning. If there's an app like, let's say, Soul Trapper or uh, one of the early apps from 2009 that stopped supporting, say, iOS 4 because the developer went under or something, those apps just either become zombies and they might work in later versions of iOS or macOS, or they just never, ever get to make it to the later OSs of life. And you saw that with Windows 98, you know, and Millennium, and even XP. There are some apps that still run in XP because they just can't handle some of the DirectX needs of a later app. So we do see this happen in previous operating systems, and that could mean that you might get something really nice, like, it's big fonts and you can't make them small, which is awesome. But then you'll have some that are just like teeny, teeny, tiny, little, little, bitty, bitty things. And teeny, tiny, uh, all the way down to the point of I can roll the control in the scroll wheel all day long, but this won't make it big enough for me to see. So it's up to the developer to be able to scale sometimes, not necessarily the operating system, depending how someone has written their program. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think Apple was saying that they would like to see all of their iOS apps support 64-bit by February. And it makes me wonder, is Apple going to start getting diligent about taking apps out of the app store that were abandonware that don't follow these guidelines, either the new screen resolutions of the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus or the 64-bit requirement? It's kind of like some apps are going to basically disappear because they're going to say, hey, this app is available for iOS 7, but not iOS 8. They're kind of going to deprecate it based on that. What mm -hmm. was the one that Erin found? She found one, Aria, which was like an audio game that you could play, and it put different sounds in your ears, and you wandered around in a non-visual area, and that's gone because it's not compatible in 8. Mm. You can't even download it. I don't know if it's even in the App Store anymore. That scares me because there are apps that I have, and I know that the discussion that we're having is about switching from Windows to Mac, so we're getting off on a tangent, but I have apps that are no longer in the App Store, but I still have because I never deleted them. For example, Papaya Broadcaster is a program that lets you stream to an IceCast server, and it supports MP3. That is no longer being supported by the developer because he started Koalasan, which is a totally different thing. It doesn't support MP3, though, so... I still have Papaya. Well, it already looks really weird on my iPhone 5S, and I imagine if I get a 6 or 6 Plus, it's going to look even more weird because it's just not designed to run on iOS 8. Well, and in my tales of woe that I have not gone into on here about family sharing, I tried to do family sharing for iOS 8, came into a whole bunch of different problems, called technical support, got bumped up a level, then got bumped up yet two more levels to the point that I'm waiting on engineers to actually call me back because they liked my documentation. I don't know why they like my documentation. Could be because that's all I do <laughs> a lot of times. Did it have wrestling references in it? Because maybe that's why. Uh, no, no. I, I tried to withhold that information from them. But the guy was like, yeah, my wife has some apps that are older and she's got an iPod Touch that she will not update to iOS 8 because they most likely will not work after she upgrades because of the new 64-bit mm -hmm. technology and the new phone that she's getting and everything. So he's like, we're keeping her iPod Touch off to the side and not updating it, which causes continuity problems and different things going on as far as having devices on different OSs. So that's something you may have to consider is that the device you've got, that app may not work, and you're not going to know it until after the fact. Yeah. Well, getting back to switching from Windows to Mac woes, one of the things that I've been having a lot of trouble with is I'm a veteran Windows user. I've been using it since Windows 3.1, and I have keyboard commands hard-coded into my brain. Things like Alt F4, and it's very difficult 
to get used to the command control option keys, you know, that those keys are just hard to like, is this supposed to be the equivalent of control or is this one supposed to be the equivalent of control? I have muscle memory where I'm used to control a to select all. And now it's something different in the Mac. I'm used to this is the muscle memory is there and it's frustrating. I can say that that definitely gets easier. The command key set is more similar than it is different. I mean, so instead of control a, you do command a and command is just to the left of the space bar. And once you get used to that, okay, all of those similar keystrokes use the command instead of the control. Now you can remember, oh, control P for printing on a Mac, it's command P. So I find Mm -hmm. that they're more similar than different. You know what I mean? It's basically you have to realize that, okay, the space bar, you want to press the one closest to you, not the one farthest away from you. That's a lot of what you have to come up Mm -hmm. with. Right. That would drive me insane. It does for a while. When you first got the Mac and were trying to use it, did you go cold turkey for a certain period of time in order to force yourself to learn what was going on? I did not. I thought I was going to. And the guy who came and set it up for me was like, okay, I'm all ready. I got everything off my PC. Okay. I'm ready to unplug it and move it out of here. And he's like, uh, you might not want to do that right away. And uh, he was right. If there was just something I wanted to get done, I would definitely go on the PC, like web browsing and creating documents. I think it would have been very hard to go cold turkey. Well, what kind of Mac do you have in, in your house right now, Mari? Are you using a laptop or a desktop? I am only using the Mac Mini at my house now because my PC did eventually die. And mm. I'm perfectly comfortable now with just having the Mac Mini. So that's a good sign that I've definitely progressed. And at work, I have both. And I don't have a lot of issues going back and forth, surprisingly. And I like having both at work. Uh, if something is not, not working well on one, I go to the other. Sad but true. So there's definitely things I'd rather do on the PC, some things I'd rather do on the Mac. And it's more leaning towards the Mac where it was. it took a long time to cross that threshold of wanting to be on the Mac more than the PC. It was quite a long time. Yeah. But one thing that has helped on the Mac side is having Zoom Text Reader now. We used to call it Web Reader, but we just changed the name to Reader. And that brings the text into a window where you can adjust the font style, color, and background color and size and have it read continuously and be able to pause and restart it and click on links. And it brings the new information into that same environment. So that has really helped a lot on the Mac side. And then I try to use voiceover when I'm just navigating around the screen, like arrowing down my email list to find out which emails I want to open and end up reading. Web surfing. I'd like to get better using voiceover when I'm searching for stuff on the web. But that's kind of where I'm at now. One of the things I was going to point out was I bought a MacBook Air in 2013. And I wish that I had gone with an iMac or, you know, something else. And the reason for that is because the MacBook Air, first of all, it's an 11 inch screen. So that's one thing against it. But second of all, it's a laptop that I can sort of throw in a bag or sit on the table and it kind of gets ignored. If I had moved my PC out or at least set up a KVM switch so that I could switch to the Mac and have it on a big monitor and have it be in front of me and hooked into my my everyday computing situation, then I would have a much better likelihood of sticking with it and learning it. As it stands, I have the MacBook Air sitting on the laptop table next to my main computer, 
and I try to sit down with it. I even bought a Thunderbolt 2 HDMI cable so I could plug it into my monitor and actually use it on the big screen, but it just doesn't get the use that it deserves for as much money as I spent on it because it's sort of just a secondary computer. I mostly use it for FaceTime and Skype and, you know, some playing around. I downloaded Yosemite and I was trying out the dark mode and trying to dig around and see if there were any options in there that Mavericks didn't have for changing the system font or making things bigger. And it doesn't have it. The one thing it will say about the Mac is that it has gotten me used to hitting you know, the, the, using the scroll wheel, and I forgot the actual, because I'm used to muscle memory, so I know where my finger's supposed to go, what key I'm supposed to hit, but I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head. But you hold down one of the keys and the scroll wheel, one of you guys could probably tell me what that is, and it will zoom the screen. And I got really used to that. So now I'm wanting that feature on my Windows machine, and it doesn't really have it. You can do Windows and plus or minus to enable the Windows magnifier, but it's not very good. So I went ahead and installed ZoomText 10.1 in my Windows machine just so I could have the, you know, hey, let's zoom into something real quick and see what it is and then zoom back out because I'm not a full-time 24-7 magnification user. I use it more for spot checking stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what I use ZoomText for is the quick zoom in, zoom out. It's like right now I've got show notes for this. I'll zoom in on specific parts so that I don't really have to squint at it, you know. And by the time I get zoomed in, it's probably a 3X type thing, you know, but it's kind of an in and out constantly. It's it's kind of like at work. They say, oh, well, your instant messenger should blink down at the bottom of your screen and you should respond immediately. And I'm like, you do realize that I'm using magnification. So my window is never 100 percent maximized. So I'm not going to see it. They don't quite get that idea of magnification <laughs> software only giving you a swear. But I have used a little bit of the Windows Zoom, and that seems pretty good for in a pinch, especially if you have extra buttons on the mouse that you're using. The downside with it, though, is at least in Windows 7, if I were to do Windows Plus right now, it would zoom in. But if I don't have arrow turned on, then it only gives me a dock. And then the other annoying thing is it leaves that little transparent magnifying glass on top of everything all the time. And I hate that. Yeah, I find you really have to find a place on the screen to hide that. And sort of put it up at the top or way mm-hmm. at the bottom, something like that, where you can just barely get to it. I think you can change how defined that is, kind of like the speech wheel in uh, iOS. You can kind of change the opacity a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely kind of changing the way I interact with the computer. When I was a 2x to 3x magnification user, I would just leave it at that magnification all the time. And I felt I was fairly efficient doing that and didn't feel it was terribly cumbersome. But once you get up where you mostly need a higher magnification level, say 5, 6x or so, what I think is more efficient is use 1x magnification as much as possible, but using your color filter reverse mode, if that's what you see better, like white text on a black background, and then zoom in when you need to see a photo or whatever. So at 1x on the Mac, obviously I need to use voiceover in order to find my way around the screen. And then to augment that with zooming in and out when I need or reading an email or a web page using the reader feature where the text is magnified but the whole screen isn't magnified, I find works best for me at the magnification level that I am using. Matter of fact, that was one of the things that we were talking about when I broke the news that I was actually using Zoom text was that the Zoom on Mac, if you turn voiceover on while you're zoomed in, then you're kind of stuck zoomed in and you have to turn voiceover off in order to zoom back out. Whereas with Zoom text on the Mac, you can actually apparently zoom in and zoom out. So I need to install Zoom text on the Mac and see if that really does a significant amount of difference for me in terms of my use of the Mac. Because I'd love to be able to use voiceover and Zoom at the same time, but right now it's not really practical Right. with the native Zoom app. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely try that. The other thing that I was going to mention is that when I said that I don't use Arrow on Windows 7, I don't have the cutesy, colorized, transparent, cartoony-looking menus and stuff turned on. I'm still using the gray and blue classic interface. Yeah, classic. When I switch to Mac, there really isn't a classic mode. Yeah. But they do a pretty good job of not letting things get crazy with their animated menus and stuff. The one thing I don't like is if an app needs my attention, I have it set up to read alerts from apps so that even if I'm not seeing them, it will read them out loud. But if an app needs my attention, like an instant messaging app, and it's not set up to read out an alert, then it'll just sit there in the dock and jump up and down. And that's not as useful as an app that flashes blue and gray. So I find that kind of difficult to deal with. I don't notice when apps need my attention as much. I wonder if that changes if you hide the dock. Good question. I know a lot of people hide the dock. The very first thing that they, when they get a Mac is they say, yeah, you want to get rid of that because it just takes up real estate and it just distracts you down there. I wonder if it would change the behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did anybody in this group magnify their dock? Because there's a feature that you can use that when you hover your mouse over a certain icon, it makes that icon bigger. I unfortunately do not have a Mac yet. (laughs) (sighs) What about you, Maury? Do you? I thought I had it turned on, but as I do it right now, it's not doing it. It drives me crazy. I must have turned it off because it kind of drives me crazy. You probably turned it off for the same reason I did. Yeah, that magnified thing is covering something else up, and then you can't yep. put your mouse. Yeah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> well, and the other hey. thing is when I'm zoomed in too close, and you know, if, if I'm at like 5x or 6x magnification, because I just kind of zoom in until it feels comfortable. And so it's not always like, oh, I'm a 3x user or a 1x user. I just zoom in until I'm comfortable. And that could be huge or just slightly bigger. But one thing I noticed is that if I had the dock magnified and then I had magnification turn on, then the icons are way too big and then I can't see anything else behind it. So I ended up shutting that off. Yes, evidently I did too. (laughs) And (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've been downloading Yosemite today and it took exactly four and a half hours to download. So I haven't installed it yet because I don't want to ruin our session here. (laughs) Do not click install. Do not do that yet. (laughs) Not yet. But I had heard that Yosemite is more like iOS 8 as far as the colors being less contrast. And although I heard there has been a high contrast adjustment added, so... Byron, I heard you earlier talking about that. And I am also someone who really misses the Windows Classic mode. I wish I had that type of adjustability on the Mac side. Absolutely. Well, they have two different things in Yosemite that might be of use. They have dark mode, which makes your menu bar, instead of a white menu with black text, it turns it into a dark menu with white text on it. And it actually was less effective than I thought it was going to be because a lot of things like my finder were still gray and white, and I thought it was going to make everything dark. And it didn't seem to do that, at least not on my first experimentation. But now they also have, you know, you can use grayscale or you can do a high contrast mode. But the thing that frustrates me about high contrast mode versus something like a dark mode So if I turn on high contrast, it not only reverses the contrast of all of the text, but it also reverses the contrast of photos or websites that used to have a dark background are now glaringly white. I would find a mode that makes everything darker, but keeps text or web pages or whatever the same. And then I could, on a whim, turn on high contrast with dark mode on if I wanted to. But unfortunately, the dark mode is not quite what I thought it was going to be. It still leaves a lot of things white and glaring and hard to see. Yeah. So it kind of illuminates the fact that if you are thinking of going to a PC or a Mac or vice versa, you really have to look at the visual aspects of the OS itself. Mm -hmm. I would recommend going to like a Best Buy or a Radio Shack or whoever sells Macs in your area, preferably somewhere that has Windows machines and Macs, because then you can look at both. And if you have a chance to run Windows 10 technical preview, 
just to get an idea of what the menus will be like and stuff. That would not be a bad thing either. One thing I noticed about Windows Technical Preview 10 is that I don't know if the classic mode is still there. I don't know if you can get it back. But the menus in Windows 10 Technical Preview, at least as it stands, are like a dark blue, which I can actually kind of deal with. I don't like the glossy Fisher-Price start menu that we got in Windows XP or the offerings that we have in Windows 7. But when I saw Technical Preview, I went, hmm, the start menu in this isn't as bad. I may be able to go away from not using Arrow at this point. So we'll see. So basically, you probably should check all of these different devices out. And with the Mac Mini at $499, that might be a good option for trying out Mac OS X, Yosemite, and the such. $499 will get you a Core i5 processor, which is probably plenty fast for the general user. If you're going to be encoding music or video, you might want to bump it up to the i7 processor. That is the fourth generation processor, which means that it's last year's model. They have not released the new versions as of yet. So that is something to consider. And the Mac Mini doesn't get updated as often as the other iMacs and MacBook Pros and things like that. So just things that you want to watch out for. Do you know if there are displays that you can get for the Mac Mini that would afford you retina because I'm assuming using a regular flat screen monitor would not afford you that luxury of making the text bigger like you can on a MacBook Pro with retina. I'm thinking with a adapter, you could probably get something that would convert to a display port or Thunderbolt adapter. You know, I mean, the Dell 4K monitors, I think, start at like $2,400. So You could almost get you an iMac for that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's like an entry-level retina display that you can get, but probably not. Yeah, I was wondering that too. You'd have to get a generic, most likely, of some sort. You know, a Direx, I think, is a company that makes monitors and things that are pretty inexpensive. I don't know. Good thought. If anyone has tried anything like that, drop us a note at resources at serotalk.com. Well, that is going to wrap up this segment of High Contrast here on SPN. Now we will go to a short break, and Joe Steinkamp is going to review WWE Supercard for your mobile device, which I kind of goaded him into that because I've mentioned it on the last two podcasts because I keep clicking to try and find the fish pellet. I keep wanting a better fish pellet, so... Maybe I'll give a couple of hints on the other side of this here break. You're listening to High Contrast on SPN. Blue is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Red is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Well, yellers sweller for this little feller. And me, I'm keen on green. So what's your favorite color? Tell us, please. Kids will spend 20 minutes listening to songs like this. What's your favorite color? Tell us, please. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite? How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives and the Ad Council. Hello, everyone. Joe Steinkamp, and as promised, in the center ring, the only ring that matters, the squared circle, that is WWE Supercard. That's right, Rodney kept talking about this game so doggone much, I had to play it. And the reason why I haven't played it already is because, well, I'm already a fan of THQ's other games. Be that the SmackDown vs. Raw series that goes all the way back to the original PlayStation, to the current WWE 15, which is available on Xbox and PlayStation 4. Yeah, I am um, way too familiar with wrestling games, not necessarily the wrestlers 
themselves in the current WWE roster. So it was with great trepidation that I was wanting to get involved with another game that would take up lots of time and battery on my iOS device, which is the device that I use to look at this. It is available for Android and it is free. So if you are a fan of Magic the Gathering, not of wrestling, if you are a fan of collectible card games like the new Pokemon one, not wrestling, if you are a fan of these types of things like, oh, I don't know, hmm, uh, Star Wars Assault Team, which I've reviewed on the show before, this is kind of like that. It is cards battling cards, except in this situation, there's a lot of graphics here. I mean, a lot of graphics here. Either the actual pictures of the wrestlers themselves or the simulation of entrances and all sorts of pyrotechnics and odd uh, crowd. And I mean, it's just crazy. The idea here is that you're going to take a starter deck of cards and you get that in the beginning and it has some wrestlers in it and you will battle other wrestlers to gain more cards. And then you can combine cards and then you can get special cards, which helps you beat other cards again. I point to Magic the Gathering, other collectible card games like Hearthstone and others. The spin here is that not only does it have a wrestling backdrop, but there's a lot of strategy involved with these things, right? You have alliances that you can form, and up in the top corner of your wrestler is a diamond, and it could be pointing yellow up or yellow down or blue left and blue right. While that sounds kind of weird, if you can find other wrestlers that match that, let's say, two yellow downs or one yellow up and one yellow down, they can actually form a tag team and get bonuses when they go into the ring to beat up other cards. Yeah, I'm not kidding. There are points and stats and boosts and endurances, and increased speed, and there is a lot of strategy here. So when Rodney said, oh, there's a wrestling card game, I thought, oh, licensing, and this is going to be horrible. No, it actually is pretty crazy from a numbers card game standpoint and pretty neat in the way that is presented. Now about that presentation, I did have to use my handheld magnifier a little bit more than I usually would on some games. Uh, there's a lot of reds. There's a lot of um, various colors here. That blue that I was talking about is not easy to see because some of the cards backgrounds, so the wrestlers in the foreground, but the background of the card could be blue, dark blue, green, and other colors because there are different levels of cards. That's right. Not only is this diamond thing here, not only do they have stats and numbers that can be altered, there's different tiers of cards. So you can have rare, uh, ultra rare, epic, legendary. All of that can be modified and you can actually have an element of random luck get involved. So a lower tier card could be the higher tier card just because you used, let's say, a ladder that helps you move faster. I don't exactly know how ladders make you move faster, but a stop sign could actually make the other guy slower or increase endurance because it's more of a hardcore thing. So there are wrestling types. You have solo matches, tag team, divas. Divas are in there as well. And those are easy to see. The menus are easy to see to make some choices, but to swap cards or to look at stats, you might have some visual idiosyncrasies if you have trouble with colors. For the most part, most of the important stuff that you need to see is white and big letters. But when the small pictures of your wrestlers are down there and you have to choose which wrestler you want, you may have to do some memorization of where that wrestler is because, well, unless they have their shirt off, it's hard to tell sometimes whether that's a wrestler or a diva being a female wrestler, maybe by stature or shoulders. Anyway, that's not the point. The point here is that this is a free game and there is paid upgrades or paid in-app purchases to buy better decks and better cards. All of that is available, but you really don't have to do any of that. And you don't have to go too deep into this unless you want to. If you do decide to do that, definitely check YouTube for some tutorials from some ideas about how to do a little bit better in the game or how to get rare cards. It's great if you just want to waste two or three minutes in line or if you just want to play it in the background while watching something on television. WWE Supercard, free on iOS and Android, made by THQ's company that has a lot of my money already. And, wow, not a bad game, I'm shocked. And by the way, if you ever look at reviews of this game on YouTube, you will hear the same thing from many of the reviewers. So, check that out. And uh, let's throw it back to the high contrast team where Rodney 
has some strategies on how to play this game. Welcome back to High Contrast here on SPN. And that was a very good review. I'll throw in a couple of things for the WWE Supercard that I've kind of figured out over time, sort of the get you started. For me, the biggest thing that I made the mistake of when I first started playing it was combining cards. So you get a card, it's a regular card. If you get two of a kind, say a Rey Mysterio and another Rey Mysterio common card, you can keep building that card until it's maxed out to level 10, I believe, on, say, a common section. Once you get two cards that are maxed out, you combine those, and it will actually create a pro card. And that pro card can then increase in value and help you as far as trying to build cards in other decks. That's kind of a thing that I didn't quite grasp when I started playing with it. I was like, ooh, cool, I'll just keep combining cards and creating pro cards, but... I found that you get a lot more value out of higher level cards if you do that properly. The best cards that you can get are Rey Mysterio in a rare. You can get Eddie Guerrero in a super rare. Those are like untouchable as far as speed and quality. Shawn Michaels in a rare card is very good. Trying to get Divas, which are the female cards, that's difficult. If you are playing Exhibition, games and you have to build a five card set which is one diva and four other cards make sure that your slot one is either a left or a right or an up or a down and then your next two cards need to be the opposite so if you do a left next two cards need to be a right right and if you do an up You want the next two cards to be down, down. That way you have tag team opportunities there. I've kind of figured that out over time. And then if people are actually playing against you, they'll have a little bit harder time to combat your card deck. So just a few things. Like I say, I keep trying to press and get the fish pellet, get the better card, get the better card. Oh, and one final thing. If you're doing exhibitions and you're playing like a higher level, if you set three cards up at a high level and then one card, say two levels down. So you would have three super rare cards and one uncommon card that would lower your quality, but you'd still be able to defeat other cards. So anyway, that's my two cents on the WWE super card for your iOS and Android devices. So it can be a little addicting kind of like farmville you have a simple thing that you can just sit there and sort of click while you're watching television and next thing you know you've wasted a whole bunch of freaking time on it uh yeah so anyway uh we are going to skip the mailbag since we had a lot of information and i would love to hear your comments on ios from last time the iphone 6 6 plus discussion uh what were your thoughts on that what's your thoughts on the new imax the 5k display whether you can run that fast or see that small what are your thoughts drop us a note over at resources at serotalk.com or leave us an eye blink we enjoy those eye blinks because we don't have to read anything go figure anyway anything going on in your world byron that you need to plug or rant about well i'm going down the road of learning how to use reaper which is a audio editing program And it's really cool because you can install this thing called Reaccess, R-E-A Access, which makes it compatible with NVDA or JAWS or Windowize or uh, System Access. And um, so I'm enjoying that. And you might start seeing more podcasts from me. I've started a new podcast on my website called LikeCast. And it's going to be all about various pop culture and geeky things that I find that are interesting. There's only a test post up there, but I think once I get the hang of Reaper, you will start uh, seeing episodes of LikeCast show up on ByronLee.com. Like, way cool. Like, I really like the word like. like. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Maybe you can, like, review Valley Girl from 81 with Nicolas Cage, you know, get, get multiple likes. In uh, well, I do plan on doing movie reviews or even, like, MST3King, particular sections of movies, especially the really cheesy pop cult films, 
<laughs> will be getting their treatment from me on the like cast. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. That's a good idea. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell everybody it's Rodney's fault. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It, it's amazing how if you use a word over and over again, people will actually call you out on that or create drinking games. So yeah, every time Byron says <laughs> like cast, take a swig. So now everybody should be drunk by now. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, we will wrap this podcast up. Thanks to Mari Hill of AISquared.com slash zoomed in over at the zoomed in blog. You can find her on Twitter at Mari Elizabeth, M-A-U-R-I-E Elizabeth. You can check out our other guest, Byron Lee at Byron27 on Twitter, ByronLee.com, LowVisionRants.com, and the such. And as always, thanks to Ranger Joe Steinkamp for diving in here and there as we go along this podcast road. You can find him over at, at Ranger Station on Twitter, and you can find everything he does over at serotalk.com or serotech.com for all the product information. As always, I'm Rodney Edgar, R-O-D-N-E-Y-E-D-G-A-R on Twitter. And you can find eh, some apps and reviews and things that we do over at techaccessweekly.com. Unfortunately, we're not really creating a lot of new content, but hey, at some point, we will bring everything back, we hope anyway. Hey, we had the pool on whether or not I updated lowvisionrants.com at the next episode. So now I'm going to start asking you if you've updated Tech Access Weekly or not. And maybe that'll um, prod you into doing an update. Yeah, you keep prodding. <laughs> That's been on the back burner for a little while. But we will say that if you want to check out things for Android, the new Nexus 9 tablet, 9-inch from Google, you can head over to that Android show for a podcast coming up. I believe it's number 33, if I remember correctly. And as always, the Triple Click Home guys will talk about everything Apple and iOS because there's plenty of that news right now. And hopefully next episode, we can avoid some technology and come up with a new topic. As always, if you have ideas for show topics, please let us know by dropping us an email at resources at serotalk.com. You can leave a iBlink report over at your iOS device or Android device of choice or the iBlink radio. I guess that's called an iReport. I'm starting to figure this out. Almost we're running out of eyes here. <laughs> you can also check out the other applications and products and services that is provided by Serotech by going to serotech.com slash products and get all your trials at serotech.com slash downloads. The products keep growing and the services continue to improve. So check them out because they keep us on the air. And well, if you don't want us to be on the air... Ignore that idea. Anyway, uh, this has been a ramble fest of high contrast here on SPN. Bye bye.